welcome to the Spawn Chunks, episode number 108 for Monday, September 28th, 2020. My name is Joel Duggan, and the resolution is back to normal, and Johnny is back in his co-host chair. Hello, sir. Hello, I am back indeed, and shout out to FWIP for covering for me last week. Thank you again for that, and what a great show. I really liked uh, listening to you guys dig into the email, and I have to agree with all of your thoughts on ghasts, <laughs> because, good lord, uh, you'll hear about my, my troubles with ghasts uh, lately. But if you want to hear about the other stuff we have been talking about, uh, you can listen to The Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast where we talked about what's been going on in my life, a couple of changes in our routines, fall food, and all manner of other stuff. You can get that at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks. Listen to the pre and post show Render Distance. Uh, so let's get into it, Joel. What have you been up to in Minecraft? Probably for the last week, because I'm pretty sure I caught up on <laughs> what you were up to last week, even though I wasn't on the show. Uh, so I have been spending more time in the medieval fantasy uh, realm, we're calling them now, on the uh, Citadel server. Uh, I, After a, a brief stint away in modded Minecraft, I, I still enjoy it, but uh, I have, was able to, through all of my testing and through all my tweaking, find a way to play uh, Minecraft on the Citadel without uh, my frame rate going <laughs> crazy. So um, with a kind of a renewed interest in a, in a clean slate, I decided to stop battling uh, all of the the modern builds in the city with the block pallets and stuff and just like, you know what? Minecraft leans hard into medieval fantasy. So let's just go do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so I don't have to think as hard when I'm when I'm building with this kind of stuff, which is great. Uh, but I have been kind of um, game game development brain uh, diving into this new area, thinking like, well, I, what do I want the experience of my server mates to be when they arrive at this new place? And for those that um, may be new to the podcast, we have a player-made world hub on the server that centers around the center of the overworld. And there are command blocks that will teleport you to the various different realms. And these realms have themes, whether it's a modern city, maybe it's going to be a sci-fi zone. This one particular happens to be the medieval fantasy. So when you are teleported through the the portal, when you press the button on the command block, uh, you arrive at one of two locations. There's a camp and then there's a tower. So I was working on the area near the tower, which is in the, is in the north of this giant area, 10,000 blocks away from our spawn. And uh, so I was able to move the tower a little bit so that like rotate some parts of the tower so that it, it faced in the correct direction so that when you leave the tower you're heading straight on into the path uh created a courtyard and lit it so so that it's a, a fairly safe i didn't want to put doors everywhere but you know it's a fairly safe place to you know walk out the front door and not have a creeper standing in your face mm-hmm. um because previous to this, uh, my my week in the in the game this week, it was basically mob central. Because <laughs> yeah. the only thing that was there was the tower, and everything else was dark. It was just this giant flat field of skeletons and witches. And you're like, oh, this yeah. is gonna be fun. You're like, oh, it's back to day one Minecraft again. When you're like, all I have is a basic shelter and not much else. Exactly. So I've been having a lot of fun just doing paths. It's something I really enjoy. It's it's really. It's old hat Minecraft. Like when you've been playing as long as we have, you know, you just kind of you grab your landscape shulker box that has all your brown and green stuff in it, and you just kind of go to town on mm-hmm. these paths. And I've been really enjoying it. the The one thing that I did find really challenging was how long and how big this area is, because as we've been spending more time on the Citadel, we are getting more ambitious with the projects. Yeah. And uh, this is a huge area, and I really wanted things to flow correctly. And one of the things I really enjoyed uh, from my modded playthrough on All of Fabric 3 was the minimap. 
And because I have to use uh, Fabric for performance issues, uh, also we're running Fabric on the Citadel now server side for performance issues. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not seeing much of a change, but boy, are some of my um, server mates noticing how quickly and how much better it is on older machines and, and maybe internet connections that aren't super fast. Yeah. Um, really seeing a lot of improvement. So again, tip of the hat to um, to Exumavoid who, who, you know, said that on Hermitcraft they were experiencing some good good results from switching to fabric yeah, server yeah. side. Especially if it like levels the playing field for people who are having a subpar experience otherwise. That's exactly. great. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and this weekend, uh, I can't say anything about it because it's a secret project, but we had a, a community uh, project on the Citadel where we basically had the most people ever playing on the Citadel at once ever. Nice. You know, and and with no with no real noticeable lag like no one was like oh glitching around and having a hard time you know sure. like it wasn't a, you know i think only one person when they went through nether portals kind of had to wait like an extra 20 seconds you know but yeah. that's that's i think that's kind of average anyway yeah um, I, f- I feel like with dimensions especially it always puts a little extra strain on servers yeah. and yeah, yeah. there's, there's a, a little bit of other stuff that goes in there beyond just hey we have a lot of people in one place yeah and especially when you when you have players a group of players online and people are divided so both dimensions are loaded yeah. right so you've got yeah, you know three people one place three people the other anyway i uh, had a lot of fun and it's been working out well but as a result of um, having fabric running uh, client side i have access to some quality of life stuff i'm also running things like lithium and phosphor and sodium for my own purposes but i thought i would try out uh the uh, zeros mini map which is from the all of fabric 3 mod pack and uh, I really like it. And I don't find it that, you know, I use this in heavy quotations, cheaty. You know, like, I don't think it really takes away or makes it feel like a modded experience. Yeah. Uh, especially because I've already done several maps in vanilla Minecraft. Like, it's not like I'm skipping over the map content. I've just tried it. Don't really enjoy it. And this is just a much better experience. And what I like so much about it is that... Uh, the full screen uh, and and minimap are great for quick checks when you're when you're making paths and trying to figure out like where are you are you following the river are you doing the right curve is it looking the way that you want it's giant pixel art and it's just it's so much easier to follow when you can just pop open the minimap rather than constantly flying around with rockets and trying to look and see you know if it looks right yeah um, or, or using in-game maps and having to walk around and update them every time you change exactly. something yeah yeah, exactly. that's, that's totally understandable. And there are some minimap mods that also have functionality built in where you can set waypoints and teleport to them. And that's the kind of stuff that's like gets into a little bit more of the cheaty realm for me. But then exactly, if, if all you're doing is kind of just using it as an overview of saying like, okay, here's where the path begins and ends. And I need to basically draw a curvy line between those two points. Then, you know, that that's ultimately just saving you a little bit of time and making sure that you can keep your your kind of building flow going without too many interruptions, which I think is exactly ultimately going to be a better thing than having to mess around with rockets and yeah, feel like everything gets a little bit more segmented. And it took me a little bit to find the settings. You have to go into your hotkey settings and it tells you which key in those hotkey settings will open up the map settings for yeah. both the mini map and the world map. Mm-hmm. And I turned off everything that wasn't just map. You sure. know, so yeah. waypoints, teleports, uh, they'll show you uh, friendly and hostile mob locations. They'll right. they'll yeah. show cave maps. And I'm like, nope, I want to inc- explore caves the traditional way. Like, I don't I don't need all that. Um, what's really cool is how fun our nether looks because uh, they do this really cool thing where they kind of p- 
peel away the nether ceiling and yeah. show you kind of like uh, where you've built player placed blocks. So you get to really see the layout of a three-year-old nether network, which looks yeah. ridiculous. It looks uh -huh. it looks like something the Doozers built from Fraggle Rock in the 80s. <laughs> like it's, just, it's, re it's, re it's really fun. Um, but I've been having a really good time uh, with the uh, Taiga paths and um, trying to experiment with stuff. We actually have an email later this week, later on the show that, that relates to this. So I'll go light on it now. Um, but I've, I've really just in, been um, enjoying the, the simplicity of doing the paths and the bridges. I did another bridge this week too. And this is the first time I've ever done a si well, sizable. It's a modest angled bridge. So I didn't build it straight. I built it on like a two over one up sort of, angle i'm not sure what that equates to it's not a 45 degree angle it's 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 a shallow angle bridge sure and it yeah. was challenging it took me a good two hours i think on stream the other day to, to build it from start to finish and it's only three by 15 like it's not a it's not yeah. a big thing I, I think angles like that are so much more difficult when you're building small like it, it starts yeah. to lose itself in the size of something if you're building like a like a, a three-lane highway kind of setup yeah. with that kind of angle but when you're building something just across a a minecraft river which can only be you know 15 blocks wide maximum most of the time and mm -hmm. is usually smaller than that you're you're really going to start to kind of see the blockiness in those angles so it's very difficult to get the detail right yeah it was it was hard and uh, i threw some pictures in our live chat here for for folks to check out and uh, i'll have them in the blog post as, as well and i think it did okay but that that's the first lesson that i learned when i pulled away from it. it's like yeah it looks good for what i set out to do but i thought my mental note was like yeah the next time i do one of these it's going to be four times the big the size <laughs> yeah because like yeah. it just, it'll be a little bit easier and the other thing that i remember and i didn't remember this until after the stream because when i played on vastid with um with fix it and and Jermsey boy Jermsey boy had this really cool looking angled bridge and i realized what he had done is that he had used the sections of the bridge to communicate the angle so it's not that it, it was the bridge was a straight line it was that the bridge every time a step went up it also went over yeah and it so it wasn't any kind of like specific angle but as a result it really worked out well because he was only moving the angle at the same time that you were going up. Yeah. And so it really worked out well. And, and so it didn't matter whether it was three or five or one or two or whatever. So the next time I do something like that, I'm going to make it wider. Um, I'm falling into the trap of making everything footpath. So I need to be careful when we're planning our, our larger towns that we make things look large enough that a cart, you know, like that uh, in a medieval fantasy area that a horse-drawn carriage could go through. Yeah. Uh, you know, because right now they're all very footpath related. So I'll have to work on that. But that's it for me. What have, what have you been up to in, in Minecraft? Uh, well, obviously last week I didn't do a huge amount because I was just kind of spending time with family. Uh, but mm -hmm. the uh, this week I'm back into it. Ancient debris mining has just passed the halfway point towards my netherite beacon. So I oh, I wow. actually I actually now have enough blocks of netherite to pretend I have a tier 4 netherite beacon because uh, 81 blocks being the base of the tier 4 beacon, the 9x9 square, if you just take out each layer from the center every time, so you just move the central set of blocks up one block, then that makes the outside of a beacon, right? A 3x3, three three, a 5x5 five five ring around that, a 7x7 seven seven ring around that, 
9 by 9 ring around that. That's only 81 blocks still, so I can fill the inside of it with whatever I want <laughs> and, and pretend I have a netherite beacon. But I'm still planning on going the whole hog and getting the rest of it, which is another 83 blocks. It's weird, actually, that the inside of a beacon actually takes more blocks than the outside of a beacon, but that's volume as opposed to surface area, folks. Maths. Mm. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> outside of that, yeah, I, I'm still mining for ancient debris on streams and having a blast, no pun intended. Uh, in my Skyblock playthrough, I've just had a disastrous time trying to set up a bartering farm. Uh, piglins are the death of me, always, because I always forget when I'm so used to a fully-fledged survival world and having been in this world for so long that... I have, you know, rockets and elytra and good armor and any any excuse to get away, I can. Whenever you're in controlled conditions in close quarters with piglins and you open a chest, death, instantly. Um, I'm used to controllable amounts of piglins and having an easy way to escape. So, yeah, my first death in Skyblock and several other subsequent deaths in Skyblock came to me trying to get piglins out of a really efficient zombie pigman farm that I built at the bottom of the world in the nether. And the piglins will spawn there naturally as well, because it's just a nether wastes biome. So I thought, yeah, I'll just open this up and get some of the piglins out. They were even running towards me to escape from the zombie piglins, so it was easy to get them out of the farm. But then I thought, oh, I've just dropped some building supplies and they've ended up in the hoppers. Let me open the output chest to see if I can put that stuff back. Insta-killed. Um, and so eventually I managed to shuffle a few of them into booths. Uh, name tag them or throw them some armor so they wouldn't despawn. And now I have a bartering set up in my Skyblock world, which means easy access to quartz, gravel, blackstone. Like, it's it's not always super useful in a full survival world, uh, but in Skyblock, having that amount of resources just churning out in the background is going to be crucial for some of the stuff I do later. So very, very excited to have that. Um, as for the survival guide, I'm currently spawn-proofing a Soul Sand Valley nether fortress, which I managed to find, like, diagonally about 1,800 blocks from my nether hub. So really not that far away, considering that the central part of my nether is all legacy terrain from 1.13 and previous right. updates. So I, I think, actually, if you... If you tried using my world seed and you started fresh in 116, there would be a Soul Sand Valley at spawn and there is a nether fortress right there. So that's potentially a better solution than what I had to do, which was go out and find a Soul Sand Valley that has a nether fortress in it. But thanks to the way spawning works in a Soul Sand Valley where there's a limited number of skeleton and ghast spawns, that nether fortress is so productive for fortress mobs without me having to spawn proof anything that I'm now turning that into a new with a skeleton farm. So that's going to be my latest survival guide project. I'm in the process of spawn-proofing that right now. It is going better than the Skyblock bartering farm did in that I have not died yet, uh, but I am having to chug fire resistance potions because the number of blazes in the area is off the charts. And I think in, in the fullness of time, once I'm done farming all of the wither skeleton stuff, I might just convert it into a general fortress mob farm, and have, you know, all of the blaze rods and probably zombie pigmen in there as well and skeletons and anything else the fortress is going to throw at me. Because I have it's... one of those that I have to fix. They're fun. It's, yeah. it's a big project, but it's a really fun technical project and it it, it just looks really cool when it operates because it just it pumps out so much stuff. Yeah, and, and in theory, you know, building in the larger bounding box using nether brick, I could potentially use that to create, like, large spawning platforms or I could go the kind of compact farm that just sits inside that crossroads area. But I've definitely mm. seen people make some really effective wither farms 
using, you know, wither roses everywhere and then piglins in the center so that they get lured towards the middle and then drop down. So there's a lot of stuff we can do there that's going to be a very, very easy way. And the, the main reason I want it really is for coal at this point because the... Right. Um, you know, the, the fact that zero tick farms have been nerfed means that we no longer have something that's such a an easily renewable supply of furnace fuel for larger smelting operations. But if I can get a wither skeleton farm together for coal and make loads and loads of coal blocks, I'll be sorted for fuel for the foreseeable future. And, you know, blaze rods are a really good way of getting that. But I find blaze spawners even a double blaze spawner setup relatively slow at this point and if you can just churn out with the skeletons by the bucket load from one of these fortress farms then i feel like using coal as a fuel source becomes viable again without having to go mining for it nice yeah i i was thinking about that the other day i actually had to before i went out to the uh medieval fantasy realm i had to just double check all of my shulker boxes and top up all the stuff that i was missing you know like lanterns and wood and just thinking about all the stuff i wanted to build with and uh coal was one of the i was like i have no coal on my person at all like none in boxes nothing i had to go look for some <laughs> and then yeah. i found coal ore in some chests at my old um strip not yeah strip mine strip mine and and i had to then spend you know two three minutes on stream just like bashing it in a um concrete maker just to turn it into um turn it into coal that i could actually use mm -hmm. uh, which by the way is a fantastic use of those um those setups where you can place concrete it automatically turns into concrete and you mine it and it gets sucked up by yeah. um by a, a hopper uh for both redstone and coal blocks if you're using a fortune pick you can just sit there and spam it and it just harvests a ton in a, in a blink of an eye rather than having to make a giant tower and then mine it all down yes absolutely yeah so uh that's that's my plan ultimately is getting getting hold of a bunch of coal and with a skeleton skulls and everything are going to be a bonus people have asked me now that i'm lighting the museum up in some areas with conduits if i'm going to be using beacons for lighting as well which i probably will end up doing at some <laughs> stage but yeah just just like whatever i can find trying to use every part of the game at this point and and try and do things that people don't expect all that much but I yeah think, we're gonna uh, we're gonna to have to change your name to Flexel Riffs. <laughs> Potentially, yes. We'll <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we'll see. So uh, let's move on to the news because we've waffled long enough about what's going on in our Minecraft lives. Let's talk about Minecraft Live. In fact, uh, so Minecraft Live is next week on October third at twelve p.m. Eastern time. And quick reminder that the Spawn Chunks will be having a watch party over on my Twitch channel, Twitch.tv/PixelRiffs, where we're going to restream Minecraft Live and give our opinions on the new developments as they happen. Uh, a post on the Minecraft Twitter account this week let us know that the big news should be dropping right from the start, and I'll quote here, there's only one week left until Minecraft Live. On October 3rd, there'll be huge news, mob votes, and hilarious over-rehearsed jokes. We're mixing things up this year too, and bringing you our big announcement at the very beginning of the show. So we don't know what exactly this big announcement is, presumably it relates to Minecraft itself, uh, rather than any of the other stuff, but I presume we're going to get an update to Minecraft Earth and Minecraft Dungeons, or at least a roadmap of future content uh, teased during Minecraft Live as well. The other thing you might want to participate in is the mob vote. Uh, the Minecraft.net article linked in our show notes this week will take you to Minecraft Live vote for the next mob. Uh, and the contenders for this year's mob vote are uh, the Moo Bloom, Glow Squid, 
and Iceologer. You may recognize some of these mobs from the extended family of Minecraft titles. The Moobloom and Glow Squid are from Minecraft Earth, while the Iceologer hails, no pun intended, from the recent Minecraft Dungeons Creeping Winter DLC. Uh, voting for these mobs <laughs> is going to happen via poll on Twitter. Uh, so make sure you have a Twitter account set up if you're 13 or over and can use one uh, if you want to vote in the mob vote. Um, and that's all going to happen on the at Minecraft tag like it has done in previous years. Uh, a couple more things to cover while we're here, still here in the news uh, is that Minecraft got PlayStation VR support this week. Uh, and once again, I'll quote from the article linked at Minecraft.net. You'll be able to choose between two VR modes, immersive and living room, as well as tweak your VR settings for maximum comfort. As you may already know, not everyone can handle all types of VR. If you have a hard time keeping your lunch down on rides of the car, boat, plane, or roller coaster variety, make sure you start with shorter sessions, try different settings, and stop immediately if you feel woozy. Uh, so there's a an interview in that article with a couple of the developers uh, or producers on uh, the console versions of the game and looking at playstation vr specifically as an experience uh really interesting to hear that is coming to minecraft one last thing before we get into our analysis of the news and that is that minecraft live uh has a, an extra announcement in the form of what's happening with minecraft festival and it says once again a quote here Due to the impact of COVID-19, Mojang Studios has delayed Minecraft Festival until 2022 and will no longer be involved with official community events. And let's start by talking about this because that makes a lot of sense, really, um, given that at this stage they're still having to prepare the event a significant amount of time ahead of time. If you're looking at September 2021, which I assume they were planning to reschedule the event uh when they said 2021 was the goal um they're still having to meet with you know vendors who are going to be there people who are going to be part of the events team and everybody is still working from home at this stage so it's going to be increasingly difficult to uh you know get hold uh, get hold of everybody get everybody into one room and plan the event in the same way plus we don't necessarily know that COVID-19 is going anywhere at this point and it seems like delaying the event until 2022 is going to give them even more time to prepare and make sure that everything you know safety wise is where it needs to be but also get all of the people who need to meet and decide what's going to happen in this event to uh to actually be in the same room if that's possible yeah i think the delay makes a lot of sense uh i uh, and, and i i follow a lot of tech news and one of the things that i've noticed on the tech news podcasts is as with uh, Minecraft Festival, many other events have gone fully digital to compensate for obviously not being able to gather large crowds. Um, thinking about major, you know, tech companies doing things like Google, Apple, Amazon, etc. Uh, yeah. And it's easier to cover. It's easier to get the information when it's all just in a pre, either pre-recorded or very well rehearsed, uh, simple digital uh distri you know distributed announcement and uh you get a wider audience because everyone on the planet can tune in uh now a lot of times you know things like apple and 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 google they'll they'll do that anyway you know rather than having one or the other it's usually both but yeah i'm seeing some smaller companies uh like nvidia for people that are looking to upgrade their graphics card although for other reasons you might want to hold off on that for a little bit um you know they did their own announcement so you're seeing a lot of the smaller uh, tech companies r being unable to go to big gaming conferences like uh, multi-platform uh, gaming conferences like say E3 and stuff like that 
they're now doing their own little digital announcements and it's it's a better way to get the information you know i think that i more people get it and more people can dissect it uh in in this way and the fact that it's also safer i think is just icing on the cake yeah uh let's keep it rolling talking about minecraft live because you know for a start it's good to hear they're putting the important announcements up front this year yes um it's i feel like it's saving everybody's time and attention and we imagine it's going to be a much less involved show than it was previously with the kind of host segments and stuff like that i expect a lot of it is just going to focus on the information and um that's probably just for the benefit of everybody right now time is kind of precious these days um and yeah thinking about that on a side note um it must have been really deflating for mojang to plan the long-awaited return of minecon you know a massive three-day convention event and then you know the way it's looking right now they're having to scale back even further than the live streams they've done over the last three years so shout out to anybody at mojang who's keeping morale up right now because mm. it it must have been like a, such a hard u-turn to make um but you know a necessary one so i'm i'm glad to hear that they've restructured things a little bit um i'm probably I, we're going to reserve our thoughts on the mob vote for our main discussion this week uh because we have some more in-depth thoughts on that one but uh i'm trying to think of what else we can say about minecraft live that we already know other than just yeah presumably some sort of announcement about the future of minecraft earth and minecraft dungeons so i was scrambling before the show because i don't know whether i saw this on twitter whether i read it in an article or heard it in a youtube video i cannot find the source so don't quote me on this but i thought there was supposed to be 30 or 20 minutes before the Minecraft live event where they were going to do some sort of community event. Like, be sure to join us ahead of time for a community event. It's, the, it's popping around in my brain. I don't know where I heard it or saw it. So don't, I don't know if that's true. Um, having covered the event last year, um, or, or an event, Minecon live, whatever they wanted to call it, um, I'm happy that they're putting the important stuff up front because uh, I think that's what everybody wants to know. Uh, and I think that... Um, it will be better for people like you and I that are covering it, for people that are interested in, in that kind of stuff from home, uh, that are interested in the gameplay beats and the information and not necessarily all of the the show and stuff that they did you know, previously to uh, entertain a crowd full of people, which the, they uh, don't have this year. The Twitter account post did promise hilarious over-rehearsed jokes, Joel, so I don't think we're getting off too lightly. Well, no, there's <laughs> that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, well, the video that they made was cringy to begin with, but again, it's not for me. I, I, yeah. I get that I'm not the audience for that. Mm -hmm. um, but the um, thing that they did, I want to say it was last year that I really enjoyed, were these panels that then were either all happening at the same time or certainly were available on the Minecraft YouTube channel after the fact. Yes. And and you could still do that kind of stuff. Like you could still get a bunch of people from say like Hermitcraft or SciCraft or um, developers from Mojang and put them all in a Zoom call and record a panel and then have these panels available uh, later for on demand. Uh, that I would be, I hope they do more stuff like that because I, I don't necessarily think that it would be that difficult to do it digitally compared yeah. to doing it in person if anything it's probably more difficult to fly people around the world you know and get them all in the same space in boston you know to do it and so and these, and these are all digital people to begin with right like yes. a, a lot of them are youtube content creators or yeah, yeah. They, they've at least got the equipment that you can make that with a a relatively sound standard of production um, yeah 
yeah, I, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. We also don't know the full duration of the event, and I don't know if they've ever published that ahead of time previously, but we know when it's going to be starting, but not when it's going to be ending. So it could just be like a half hour long showcase. I imagine it'll probably stretch to an hour or so. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's safe to say that if we're doing live coverage of it, we'll be live a little bit ahead of the event anyway, just to kind of have a, yeah. a, a warm-up chat and uh, and see what we can you know get going in the chat people's predictions and that kind of stuff yeah for, uh, so for be, be, be prepared this saturday uh to be on pixel riffs uh twitch.tv slash pixel riffs channel i'd say maybe at minimum 10 10 minutes before the yeah. hour yeah we will, we, will, start. we will signpost it on various social media stuff ahead of time it'll be on the spawn chunks twitter account on our twitter account we'll drop a link in our discord we'll do all kinds of stuff to make sure people are going the right place at the right time um, but aside from that, of course, I think Minecraft.net will have a live stream. I think it'll also be up on YouTube. I forget exactly where they're streaming things now that uh, Microsoft's main streaming platform being Mixer. I think it was broadcast live on Mixer previously, and that's no longer the case. So, yeah, we'll see how mm. that all goes. Um, outside of that, PlayStation VR support. Joel, you've kind of been more interested in VR than I have uh, in previous uh, episodes of the podcast. What is your take on PlayStation VR having Minecraft? uh I, more support for vr i think is better as it just kind of permeates the gaming um sphere i think that that's going to be good for people that are into playstation vr i've heard that playstation vr is good for people that like console gaming and want to get into vr yeah. uh i i've heard mostly that the better solutions for vr are uh not just pc based but actually standalone uh when i was looking into it uh, i haven't pulled the trigger yet i was looking at an oculus rift s and I was told by several of my friends that are into um, podcast, into um, gaming news and, and covering that kind of stuff, they were like, no, get a Quest. I was like, really? And they're like, yeah, because the Quest link beta allows you to take this untethered experience, which would be very similar to a PlayStation VR, uh, and tether it to your computer to get more powerful performance. So you could have the unplugged experience in VR with like lower um, quality games. Not not that the games are bad, but that the visual, the hardware is not the same. So uh, you have a higher uh, quality experience when you're able to plug in and use your computer hardware to augment the VR experience. The Quest 2 was just announced and is available for pre-order from uh, Oculus. Uh, and so that has higher resolution screens and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I am not particularly interested in uh, PlayStation VR because, well, one, I'm an Xbox user. Uh, and two, uh, I'd be more leaning on a PC or a PC uh, compatible uh, VR experience. And still, it looks like the Quest 2 is kind of your best entry level into VR. It starts at 459 Canadian. I think it's 399 American to get into it. Yeah. Uh, which is about the same as a as a console. Like, but you've got a VR experience. So my question actually is, uh, I don't know, and if anybody in our audience knows, please write into uh, mail at gmail.com. Uh, is the Quest 2 compatible with Minecraft? Like if I was to plug the Quest 2 into my PC, could I play uh, Minecraft Bedrock Edition or Windows 10 Edition, I guess, in, in VR? Because that might swing my hand on getting the Quest 2 sooner than later. Because I want it for other reasons, just not just gaming, but also art. Um, I have a couple of other games like No Man's Sky that are that are VR ready. So stuff like that would be, would be cool. I am really interested in, in Minecraft in VR. I don't know because of how long I've played it uh, in Java in the regular way, in the same way that I can't fathom playing Minecraft on a phone, 
yeah. where other people can't, you know, I had a conversation with somebody in my stream the other day where they're just like, I'm still trying to get used to WASD to move around. And I'm yeah. just like, wow, <laughs> because they've, they spent all of their Minecraft, you know, gameplay has been mobile. So they're just yeah. like, this is weird. And just like you and I, when we go to play Bedrock, you're like, this is weird, you know? And, and I feel like uh, I would probably say this is really cool, but I don't know if I want to play Minecraft like this all the time. Yeah, I, I'm wondering how much of uh, Minecraft and Microsoft specifically's vision of the future is uh, like NVIDIA 3080, 3090, whatever, like newer graphics cards, Minecraft in VR, RTX on. And, and, mm. and like, you know, whatever resolution uh like vr headsets can do at that point like obviously i think the 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 30 series of of nvidia's cards is now running 60 fps in 4k with minecraft rtx i've seen a couple of videos coming out about that so the uh yeah the 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 vision of the future maybe being like as immersive a minecraft experience as possible and the only thing breaking your immersion is the fact that everything around you is kind of blocky compared to the real world but yeah i do wonder how long it takes for the VR experience, if it tests well on PlayStation and people are into it, to start creeping into Minecraft on other platforms as well. I think Java maybe has a mod for it at this point. I think it was called Vivecraft for like the HTC Vive specifically, but there may right. have been other platforms that were compatible. Um, but yeah, I I, th I imagine like that that was developing a while ago. I don't know how it's developed since. Um, I've had a lot of people, you know, coming into streams, live chats, comments, and so forth. Uh, asking me if I'm interested in PlayStation VR. And I, th I think it's cool that it's an option. I think it's really cool that people are finding new ways to experience Minecraft still. Um, and I'm sure VR Minecraft is pretty immersive. I'm still not sold on VR as a platform myself, as like a consumer, uh, as, as somebody who is, you know, gonna have to shell out for the hardware and stuff. I don't think I would use it frequently enough to really consider it a viable purchase. But um also returning to console minecraft just to have that experience is probably not going to happen for me as likewise not for you um but i i'm interested in seeing where people take that and what experiences it's like with minecraft earth right where you had the ar experience of minecraft what is possible in vr minecraft that is less possible with a pc like there's got to be some stuff that's really going to be unique about that experience that you're not really going to be able to get any other way aside from just you know seeing the world around you by looking around and wearing the thing on your face i'm mm -hmm. i'm really i'm really interested to hear from anybody out there again who wants to email the show spawnchunkmail at gmail.com if you are interested in the playstation vr experience if you've tried minecraft in vr let us know how it was or if there's any youtubers who've played it that you feel like really had an exemplary experience of minecraft in vr i'm interested in seeing that right now just for you know almost for comparison's sake to how else you can experience Minecraft and what's different about that that whole mm -hmm. feeling. Um, I'm not. Sh I'm sure it's just for the sake of injecting some humor into the Minecraft.net article. But one of the interviewees, one of the producers of the of the VR component of PlayStation VR Minecraft, uh, keeps talking about how much he fell over. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that would be me. That would entirely be me. I, I would. I would probably get like you know my stomach falling out when I was like jumping off of a cliff or something like that. And I'd, I'd like try and catch myself and that'd be really disorienting. And then mm. I imagine I would swing around to like attack a mob or something and then just like fall flat on my face, probably. That's what I worry about. It's I, I think that that kind of stuff would be cool. You'd probably get used to the height thing. I feel like I would be able to kind of like 
because it's Minecraft and not some really high def video games, I would be able to say, okay, well, this isn't real life. I'm not worried about falling off the edge of this block. What I would be worried about is like walking down my, my path and then turning around to go the other way. And there's a creeper right there. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. or anything right there is just that jump scare of like, you know, you're talking in our pre-show about, you know, stuff in your, in your house that looks like a person when you walk by yes. uh, and giving yourself a scare like that, like that kind of thing, I think would make me, make me jump. And I'd be worried about stuff like that. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to Jumbo Sale in, our uh, live discord recording uh, for sending me an article where minecraft is available on the oculus rift and rift s uh, so that would not be on the quest but the quest would be able to plug in and then you'd be able to access your uh, rift uh, catalog so minecraft right. would be available on the quest too uh, also um, for those curious the resolution on the quest 2 is 1832 by 1920 pixels per eye mm-hmm that's so yeah that's, that's like high that's two monitors basically more yeah. or less yeah yeah, yeah. on your face <laughs> that's that's pretty wild man it's pretty wild all right yeah uh, it's getting there it's getting there uh so what do you think we uh, move on to email yeah let's do it let's do it um this week's email comes in from dark the fox uh once again if you'd like to email the show the email address is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com and the subject of this one is leaf layers. Hi, Johnny and Joel. I recently binged through all the episodes of the Spawn Chunks while doing work and am now fully caught up and eagerly await new episodes every Monday. Listening to your discussions about snow layers and how you wish sand behaved in the same way got me thinking, what other types of layered blocks could be added for ambience? I've come up with two ideas, both forest related, likely because I love forests, leaves, and mulch. While walking through a forest in real life, the ground is always littered with dead leaves, and I thought that maybe could be added in Minecraft. I figured they would spawn on, on spawn in on world generation in forests and could also be obtained by the player. So how might one obtain dead leaf layers? Well, why not add in dead leaves? In most biomes, leaves are always nice and green, and there's not really any way to work in dead leaves anywhere that isn't a desert. So here's my idea. When you cut out the logs of a tree, all of the leaf blocks quickly turn into a dead variant before decaying normally and dropping saplings, and in the case of oak trees, apples, like normal. To obtain these, one would simply need to use shears or a silk touch tool to break the blocks like normal. This way you could obtain dead leaves for building or crafting layers out of, similar to snow, but you would need to obtain normal leaves in the traditional way by tearing all the leaves down before the logs, which I imagine is how it's normally done when one wants to obtain large amounts of leaves. I think leaves turning dead would only apply to leaves generated on trees and leaf blocks placed by the player would be unaffected in the same way player placed leaf blocks don't decay now. Now for mulch, I'd imagine this would be likely trickier to implement a crafting recipe for. In my mind, I would think of it maybe similar to how a carpet is made just with logs instead of wool. Alternatively, maybe if a woodcutter block that you discussed in the past episode was introduced at some point, it could be created through that. I think both of these ideas could add more ambience to forest biomes or could be used in garden areas such as the public park area in the modern city build on the Citadel. We'd love to hear your feedback on, the, on these ideas. Sincerely, Dark the Fox. Thank you so much for that email. A traditional sign-off this time as well, instead of the usual chunks away kind of stuff that we get. <laughs> yeah, missed opportunity to say Dark the Fox from Pixel Rift's backyard, but you mm -hmm. know. <laughs> There's a few of them around. So um, yeah, mulch and dead leaves and leaf layers in particular definitely kind of stand out to me. That My first thought about mulch was that maybe it could be another byproduct of composters. Having played mm -hmm. a bit of uh, the Dr. Trog Skyblock map where composters for a while i don't think they do it in the newest version of the map but composters gave you dirt as well as bone meal it's not unfeasible to think of composters basically chucking a block at you or some sort of like you know like low-lying wood chip kind of stuff coming out of it alongside the bone meal and they both have very different um 
you know, different uses with bone meal being bone meal, but then uh, mulch just being more of a decorative block. I feel like that could that could work. Um, I, I just want layers of anything at this point for decoration. I'm sure you're the same. You've been detailing paths through a medieval area. I imagine you're you're trying to like you know <laughs> try trying to do everything you can to make sure that you've got uh, some more dirt textures to work with, right? Yeah, that's the thing. I've I've been dealing with this specifically as I've been building this path through this uh, taiga biome, and uh, I've ended up using oak wood, so the all bark version. Yeah. Uh, spruce stairs, which they look like planks. You kind of have to stretch your imagination to get them to look like anything else. Uh, and spruce trapdoors, which actually do help a little bit um, as far as the layers go. But again, it still looks like a trapdoor. You kind of yeah. have to, you know, for for um, oak wood, spruce slab, and and spruce trapdoor to look like a tree root, you kind of have to just go with the right shape and hope that people will, will get there on their own. You're, you're suspending your disbelief a certain amount, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, one thing I did find surprisingly worked uh, very well, uh, and I didn't anticipate it to do so, is acacia wood, the all-over bark, for dead spruce slash pine needles. Mm -hmm. uh, I was using gravel and I was using andesite in the path, and they were just too bright. They were just too, um, too blue. And uh, by putting in the, um, the very warm gray acacia bark texture uh, in the path, it actually worked quite well. It's sparse, you know, and better along the edges and stuff like that, but still uh, pretty good. Um, biggest challenge, challenge, of course, is that the grass color in a taiga biome is kind of like a mint green. It's not really dark green. So using the mossy blocks doesn't always work. Um, sometimes yes, sometimes no. But you're, you can't use like green concrete powder as, as freely as you, you think you would be able to. Um, I have Podzol, which I guess is the game's answer to, you know, tree mulch and, and forest floor. Yeah. Uh, but it's really high contrast. Like it's got colored leaves on it and it's got this dark brown top to it, uh, dirt side to it. It's not... It's it's a good looking block in its own context, but in certain mixes, it just doesn't really work very well. Um, specifically, again, it stands out very um, highly in the uh, mint colored grass in the taiga biome. Uh, I have a custom dirt texture, which helps quite a bit. So coarse dirt, uh, actually a custom coarse dirt texture where I've, I've used um, a file to add in uh, random pebbles. So I've got, I think three different textures and i just say like use this one five percent of the time use this one three percent of the time so most of the coarse dirt that i push down it looks like coarse dirt but every once in a while there's like a gray pebble in it which i find helps quite a bit yeah and i use that gray pebble texture on a custom data pack texture for the uh petrified oak slab right not yeah. available in survival but it is part of the vanilla game you can use it in uh creative mode and what this allows you to do is use a slab and create your own texture for it without sacrificing another slab in the game. Yeah, because you can't you can't it, get it. It's like the one shot you get at that when you're making a custom texture pack. It's like they're like you have one choice. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> exactly. You, you can't add anything else into the game without modding it, but you can just use this one slab if you want to retexture something. And yeah, yeah, I feel like dirt slabs is most people's choice when it comes to that stuff because yeah, yeah, naturally speaking, you know, in in natural landscapes dirt is going to come in slopes and is not really going <laughs> to form these meter high blocks everywhere so if yeah. you want to make anything naturalistic then a dirt slab kind of makes the most sense really and, and oh boy like the idea from dark the fox about layering leaves not only is it kind of in line with something i feel minecraft would do you know like it just it doesn't feel like they're asking for the moon it's like no yeah. this makes sense we have composters we have leaves um i like the idea of 
the the dead leaves dropping after you've chopped down a tree. So in addition to sticks and apples, you also get the possibility of getting dead leaves that you can then craft into leaf layers. Really smart. I, and I think that would go a long way. Would certainly solve my problem of the challenges of going up very odd slopes. And you don't, you have to either do slabs or stairs if you don't want to jump as you're going along your paths. And that means that your your slopes either have to be a lot longer than you want them to, or if they're steep, you have to put in stairs. And stairs look like nothing else but stairs in Minecraft. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you can sort of get away with making a rock with some stairs on it and sort of scramble up the rock. But it, it's again, it just it doesn't quite work when you're trying to do a path that's supposed to be a little bit more manufactured as opposed to just scrambling up a mountainside. Yeah. And uh, it I just I love the idea of layers and the, layers in anything, really. I don't know how that affects game performance. I'm not sure whether snow layers and and stuff like that are really hard in the game. So maybe that's why we don't have sand layers and dirt layers. As somebody um, who did a lot of work on a mountain, um. And I do have a fairly beefy PC, and this is on a single-player world, so I don't really know how much uh, anything was affected by it. But anecdotally, I didn't really see that much of a difference when I placed a lot of snow layers down. Right. I think it is still having to account for rendering all of the edges of blocks, and you know there is there are fewer places where it can do that thing where it doesn't load a texture of blocks that are adjacent to each other, so it saves a little bit of memory by doing that. I'm, I'm generalizing here because I really don't know exactly how that stuff works, but from what I understand, yeah, the, uh, the rendering just kind of ignores the edges of blocks that you can't see. Um, but I, I think snow layers really don't affect that all that much. No differently than, you know, having a mountain there would, you know, and just having, like, a series of blocks where there are going to be visible faces regardless it's it's like how it would be like having a performance change if you go from a plains to a mountain biome you know mm -hmm. and and unless you introduce stuff like transparency where you're having to render stuff through stuff i don't think it makes as much of a difference which maybe you would have to do with leaves if you were using fast graphics but uh, or fancy graphics rather yeah. um i'm i'm even on board if it's just something like carpet you know, like carpet yeah. doesn't cause any lag. And I mean, can imagine one of the other issues I'm having is lighting this this path because uh, I don't want it to be destroyed by creepers. And uh, I also don't want players to die on it, yet I don't want to necessarily put it... It's supposed to be like a hiking path. I don't want to put lampposts on it. And so I've been hiding, you know, torches underground covered by bushes. And it would be really cool if I could put a torch down and cover it with a single layer of leaf mulch and yeah. have that light still shine through mm -hmm. just from, from a gameplay mechanic standpoint, it wouldn't look the most natural, but at least it would look like, um, at least it would be hidden and it wouldn't be, you know, as obvious as it is now. Yeah. Uh, there are definitely mods that add stuff like this as well. I mean, thinking mainly of, um, mods like, uh chisels and bits the kind of things that allow you to cut down something to like a one pixel layer of a block so that you can turn basically anything into a slab or a you know a, a carpet size right. layer if you want to um but i think there are also some other mods that you know are more interested in developing the organic world in minecraft and, and having different kind of tree types and that kind of stuff which will also include things like dirt layers and and tree layers you know leaf layers and that kind of stuff so i've definitely seen them used they can make stuff look very very pretty aesthetically wonderful stuff um yeah i i don't know i i assume that the the arguments against this from a development standpoint are the same as the arguments against things like making slabs and stairs out of everything is that, you know, giving the player too much variety removes the kind of puzzle element of the game and making sure the players 
use stuff innovatively in creative ways and kind of work with the challenges of there being a limited block palette. But that's kind of the only reason I can think against this idea. And it's becoming more and more of a weak justification, I think. And I don't know, maybe if we find out that there is a uh, an inventory update on the horizon when Minecraft Live comes around, maybe we'll start to see uh, a few more of these fun little ideas getting implemented when they're not really going to cause any harm. They're just going to add to the amount of items that there are in the game and the amount of things that we need to store. Thanks again for the great email, Dark Fox. Yes. Good, good stuff. Loved it. Loved it. Um, right, the mob vote. Let's do this. Uh, I thought we could probably dedicate the entire discussion to it today simply because uh, we need to declare for which mob we're supporting. We've done it in previous years. We did it the first time around, I believe, uh, and I, I, I kind of... I, I remember us definitely doing it for the um, the biome votes specifically. Definitely for biomes, yeah. Yeah, I, I think we hadn't even started the podcast when we were still voting for mobs A, B, D, and C. Um, but I think for the biomes, we uh, we wanted savannas the first time around, and we ended up getting tigers, and that was a decent choice. Uh, and then this time around, we voted for mountains. We got mountains, or we will be getting mountains, and presumably that's uh, you know going to come up at some point in Minecraft Live. This time around, the mob vote is back, and there are three options which have already been, uh, you know, teased earlier in the show: the Isolager, the Moo Bloom, and the Glow Squid. I put descriptions in our show notes so that we can see exactly what these are. Uh, this comes from the Minecraft.net article, but there is a a link um, to the, there's a there's a video to it as well. Uh, Jeb and Lady Agnes have done the same sort of stylized, cartoony depictions of them they've had before, and they've got uh, a little bit of information about each one, and I assume spotlight videos will be coming out for them throughout the week here. Uh, so the Ice Ologer, this cold-hearted Illager from Minecraft Dungeons, thrives in snowy, icy, and rocky areas. If you vote for this hostile mob, they'll move into the new mountain tops that tower over the overworld. These mountains are so tall that vegetation doesn't grow on them, just spiky ice formations, rocks, and snow as far as the eye can see. The Isolager would make these mountains even more challenging since they don't want to just hang up there. Oh no, when you meet one of them, they will hurl flying ice clouds at you. Moving on to the Moo Bloom, this four-legged flower is a fan favorite from Minecraft Earth, and pretty much the opposite of hostile. Rumor has it that if Moo Blooms move into Minecraft, they will be able to interact with bees, but nobody has told me exactly how. This is the text directly from uh, the Minecraft.net article. Uh, last of which, the Glow Squid. Uh, this shimmering sea creature also made its debut in Minecraft Earth. The glow in Glow Squid refers to the way it literally glows in the same way that Enderman's eyes do. While we're comparing this candidate to existing mobs, I can tell you they are pretty similar to the squid that are already swimming around in Minecraft. They won't attack players or other entities, but the glow is pretty atmospheric. That's probably why they prefer dark bodies of water. The effect just isn't the same in an already sun-drenched ocean. So once again, a little bit more information about these mobs is going to be coming out throughout the week, where to find them and so forth, and maybe a little bit more info about what the Moo Bloom is going to do to interact with bees. Uh, what are your first impressions, Joel? So I'm going to say right here that I called it a couple of weeks ago on the show when I said mm -hmm. that uh, I was hoping that this would not be the case in that the mobs are all just existing versions of mobs from... Uh, other games that uh, are Minecraft uh, related or themed uh, and or also just different versions of things we uh, encounter in the game already, like the Moon Bloom. I think you even joked about like a mushroom chicken uh, and, and like a, or a variant of a sheep. Um, 
For me, the most interesting off the top is the Iceologer. Uh, I have not yet encountered them in Minecraft Dungeons, but he hearing you talk at length about them uh, a couple weeks ago on the show, that to me is the most interesting and I would say dynamic and would affect player gameplay the most. Yeah. And give give us the most um, to do, I guess, in, for for a new mob. Um, the description of hurling an ice cloud makes me think of an attack similar to like a blaze fireball. Uh, but instead of an, instead of a fireball, it's like an ice cloud thinking like Superman's ice breath, like a horizontal attack rather than dropping a giant, you know, boulder on you from above. Yeah. Yeah. How exactly they are going to attack in regular Minecraft when they're added, if they're added, uh, is going to be interesting because, um, when you fight them in Minecraft Dungeons, they drop boulders of ice on you, which you can see clearly from the fixed isometric top-down perspective of dungeons. But if they attack the same way in first-person Minecraft, you're not going to see it coming unless you're looking up at the time. So uh, they might be fairly difficult to fight. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I do think that the, the Iceologist seems the most likely. And I like the idea of the hurling a cloud of ice at you, it could be kind of similar to Dragon's Breath, where it leaves a lingering slowness effect on the ground instead of a kind of potion of harming style effect that Dragon's Breath has. And you can mm. see that kind of bringing existing mechanics in while making them a little bit more playable in Minecraft than they were in, you know, th just porting the same attack over from Minecraft Dungeons, I don't think would work as well. Yeah, and, and I think that if they stay with the ice theme... And if they drop something like ice or packed ice or maybe like ice shards or icicles or something similar to how guardians don't drop prismarine, but they drop prismarine crystals and shards and things like that that you can then craft with later. Uh, I think it would mean a renewable form of packed ice, you know, for, for players in the biomes and farms and techno players that want a lot of ice. Um, people that maybe don't like have a, a close uh, ice spikes biome stuff like that i know there's other ways to get ice in the game but this would be a, just a, a different way and a, and a fun way again creating gameplay for technical players um the question i have and this i have this question without knowing much about the the isologer or the other mobs um this to me just makes a lot of sense with the mountain biome update anyway so like if the moon bloom wins the vote does that mean that what would have been a cool addition to Minecraft, which I feel should go in anyway, is just not going to be there? Uh, I feel like the vote is potentially hamstringing what is just a good idea. I like the idea of the Isologer. I think that we've been toying around with um, different Minecraft Dungeons mobs that would make a good transition into uh, Minecraft um, Prime for months. And I, I think that the Isologer is probably the top candidate wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would agree. Um, I And I'm thinking that based on what I've seen people talk about online, the reveal video for these three mobs for the for the mob vote implies that they are doing what they've been doing with the biome votes and intending to add these into the game anyway. And we're just deciding which one comes first. Right. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think they have learned their lesson from the previous mob vote where everything was just a, an undeveloped concept and now they've effectively already designed what these mobs look like and what they do for the other versions of the game and it's just about which one they add to Minecraft Prime first. Um, and so in that respect, it doesn't really matter which one we vote for because we're going to get all of them anyway and if you think that the Isologer would make a good addition to the mountain biome update, then 
you know that's great if you want it to come up concurrently with the mountain biome update then that might happen if we vote for them this time around or they might just show up a little bit later on um because they are an illager there is also the possibility of them showing up in raids in woodland mansions in the places that we already find illagers in the world uh so that's kind of a um you know a an additional uh point of depth for the isolager to me um and if they follow the same spawning patterns as illagers, they will potentially spawn during the day. So this is where the Isolager becomes a bit of a double-edged sword for me, because if you're putting them in the newest biome in the game, putting a tricky-to-fight hostile mob there, depending on how they attack, is going to discourage some players from going there because they don't want difficult combat, which means that a certain proportion of players never really gets to experience that biome because they're too worried about an Isolager jumping on them and freezing them. Um... So it might it might make it a little bit annoying to make your base in a new mountain biome if you have these guys nearby. So that's that's kind of my my uh, my, my devil's advocate point in the the cons column. I wonder if and this just dawned on me right now. I wonder if they'll switch the spawning mechanics of the Isolager to what we're assuming to something more like how witches spawn in witch huts in swamps. What if the Isolager has a cave? you know, a small little five by nine area that are built into the existing mountains biomes. And that's the only spot it spawns. Yeah, that, that could be an interesting implementation of it. There are definitely some people speculating before they realized that it was going to be with the mountains biome that they could end up in those uh, laboratory igloos and they could have been oh, keeping, yeah. keeping the villagers and experimenting on them and stuff, which would add a certain <laughs> amount of lore to that structure. Um, nice. So yeah, I I think dark, but there, nice. there yeah, uh, there, there is there is potential for them to be limited spawns in the same way that yeah, witches and witch huts could be, or um, you know, illagers in woodland mansions only spawn once. So once you've defeated the ice king at the top of the mountain, that's it. You don't get any more isologists. That could be the case. We don't know. Um, and also in Minecraft dungeons terms, the isologer is kind of linked to this artifact called the ice wand that allows you to basically do the isologer's attack so you drop a boulder with you know ice and a stunning effect on a bunch of mobs in a certain area and so people were speculating if the isologer drops something like that that potentially means adding another weapon into minecraft in more of a magical sense that you know potentially gives oh, you the option fun. to do that um yeah. there is obviously no indication that that will happen and minecraft dungeons has tons of weapons and artifacts and stuff that aren't really related to vanilla minecraft at all uh but there is potential for them to go down that avenue it's a long shot uh but potentially something that could happen if the isolager is introduced um, even if it wasn't a weapon like even if it was just something similar to Frostwalker, where instead of walking on a lake to freeze it over you could just right click on it with a a tool you yeah. know and, and, and isologers want to freeze and then harvest ice in just a different way that would be kind of interesting yeah it might also lend lend you know um some credit to my theory of like ice shards coming like as drops as opposed to full blocks because then the shards could maybe be used in conjunction with other materials to make the wand or something yeah or, um, or you or you end up uh using it on ice it turns the ice into packed ice that makes blue ice a little bit easier oh, to yeah. farm mm -hmm. you know there, there could be yep potential there for sure um i think you know we front loaded this a little bit but i really feel like the isologer gets my vote right now because it actually feels like it has some depth you know we just managed to spin a, a reasonable discussion out of what this mob could be and then we have the other two we have the glow mm -hmm. squid and the moo bloom both of which feel very cosmetic to me and that's okay if you wanted more ambient mobs in minecraft i would totally understand that but to me 
I like to use a lot of the, you know, the additional mechanics of Minecraft. I like it as a challenge. I like it as a sort of puzzle. I like there to be depth added with new stuff. And to me, unless there is some sort of unforeseen consequence of the Glow Squid and the Moobloom being in the game, they are just pretty looking and not much else. How do you feel about the other two, Joel? So the glow squid is definitely higher on my list than the moon bloom i i really i don't have anything nice to say so i'm not going to say anything at all uh, it's the moon bloom is cute it's just not for me right sure. like it's yeah. that's i'm not the target audience for that that's fine uh my niece would probably flip out <laughs> to, to, kinda, <laughs> yeah. to give you context right like yeah, it totally. would be the thing you know um but the 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 glow squid I think the thing that has me um, on my heels about these is that like they're just retextured uh, as far as we know right now. Uh, there's some hints that the Moobloom is going to interact with a bee. Uh, the glow squid being in the deeper, darker oceans, cold oceans, maybe. Uh, that's cool because something that you might notice if you just do explore some of the oceans now in Minecraft is that aside from kelp, the deeper stuff is pretty sparse there's not a lot going on which yeah. is i guess true to form uh in in real world oceans but it, in in minecraft where things maybe need to be a little bit more vibrant uh the stark contrast being warm oceans or lukewarm oceans that ha are shallower you can see more variety of plants you can see things like um sunken treasures and treasure ships and all that kind of stuff shipwrecks um but I'm disappointed that the glow the glow squid doesn't have a different model. It's it to, to so far again. All of this is just based on the information we have so far, which is very little. Uh, but it just looks like a squid with a different texture. Yeah, and, and if, he... if if it was a different squid, like a bigger squid or one of those longer squids that we you know you see in the in world that they could have done a new Minecrafty model, that would be more interesting. Um, and. Yeah. Even in the, the copy that's about it in the Minecraft.net article says they're pretty similar to the squid we already have. And I go, okay. I mean, in, in the same sense that the Moobloom is pretty similar to a Mooshroom, right? And the Isologer could be fairly similar to, you know, an Illusioner or, a you know, an Evoker or whatever. But mm -hmm. I feel like this they don't really seem all that different. And the glowing feature sounds great until you realize that Minecraft doesn't have dynamic lighting right now. Any dynamic lighting you are used to is from Opt to fine if you use that mod and so the squid aren't actually going to provide any kind of illumination unless they change that about vanilla minecraft and they're introducing a more dynamic lighting vibe to it they're just going to look like they glow texturally but not provide any kind of illumination to their surroundings so they have hinted that the next update's going to be big like the you know there's there are some things that were big in Minecraft that that and lighting could be part of it you know, you never know it's um, it's got it's got potential if there is some sort of change to lighting because yeah. actually having like a movable organic light source and that kind of natural bioluminescence happening in deep oceans sounds cool it would make me want to go out and find a glow squid so that I could you know put it in a fish tank and have like a, a moving light source in a fish tank would be super cool you could use them to light your base and have the lights maybe follow you or something like there'd be really interesting ways you could do that and it would add a lot of atmosphere to the game in a way that i think the moo bloom wouldn't because you know the, the bees thing seems like a fun facet of the moo bloom that gives it a little bit more mechanical interest than you know, just adding a new variant of cow to Minecraft. But I don't really see many players making bees the focus of their gameplay right now. And as for it having dandelions attached to it, dandelions are the second most common flower in the game. So that's not going to be useful in terms of a resource. And 
I'm sure we're being encouraged not to think of these as a resource, but that's just the way my brain goes, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think I'm least enthusiastic about the Moo Bloom. Like you, I kind of feel like the priority for me is Isolager, Glow Squid, Moo Bloom at the bottom of the heap. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And I, there are some people in our live chat right now pointing out that for a start, passive mobs have an uphill battle. Dilken7 says that passive mobs are going to have a harder time winning through in these votes because they don't have as much depth than a, a hostile mob do because a hostile mob naturally has you know the combat experience in mind before you even think about its other behaviors what it drops and so forth um and then uh jumbo sales saying maybe they want to tie in rtx ray tracing minecraft launch to having something like a glow squid where definitely if you could have that being a movable light source in rtx and have it you know you know refracting light through the water around it then that sounds cool but it seems like a lot to bank on a feature which is going to be used by a fairly minimal number of people until at least the current console generation catches up to rtx ray tracing being standard in minecraft which i don't know if that's going to happen with the xbox series x and ps5 it might do um but right now rtx is only on pc and that's a pretty big gamble to focus on just the one mob being part of that well, focusing on light, uh, Elcor95 in my Discord community pointed out the potential drop from a glow squid could be a new light source item or something that you could craft into a light source. Uh, not just something that would be glowstone, but like yeah, something no, that's, new. <laughs> that's that's and, the that's the optimism at work there. Like I I, yeah. I saw the glow squid and I was instantly like, well, sometimes it drops ink, sometimes it drops glowstone, and now I have a bunch of glowstone dust in my squid farm. You know, yeah. Um, then again, if you're making a squid farm in a river and th these things are only going to be spawning in deep oceans, then that, you can kind of keep them separate. I understand that, but yeah, yeah if and they I'm, I'm if they drop something I'm, new. Yeah, because we've got the precedent set with soul fire torches and soul fire lanterns that there's a different light level coming from those. Sure, yes. And so potentially a new item from a glow squid could also be a, an additional light level. Uh, I don't know what color it would be, probably that kind of like bioluminescent kind of turquoisey thing. Um, hopefully something different, I don't know. Uh, it would be really neat if there was some sort of, and this is really grasping, some sort of black light so some sort of dark block that you could put down that would uh, emit some form of light uh there's a lot of particles involved with a um, ender chest but they do actually emit light uh so stuff like that would be kind of neat uh to to add to the game and and you mentioned bioluminescence earlier and uh i i've been playing a lot of no man's sky the last week and like the idea of bioluminescence coming to some of the deeper darker ocean biomes in minecraft is really cool and even if it's just plants like even if it's just a couple of things like different fish that glow or you know this glow squid or or anything that kind of adds that kind of coolness that cool factor to to oceans i think would be would be really helpful because i like the new water mechanics that they added back in 113 if we can still call them new i don't find myself exploring the oceans very much though yeah 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 so so maybe it's time to refresh the oceans a little bit to remind people how much diversity exists there and i think that's that's a pretty solid um you know vote of in in the the glow squids column i think um i imagine moo blooms are probably going to be found in terms of biomes either just generally in plains where there are dandelions naturally or in something like flower forests for example they could be a unique mob to that biome which would again encourage people to go and seek out flower forests more if they wanted to find one but 
yeah, it's it's an interesting landscape. And <laughs> thinking back to it, actually, would the uh, isologer living in a cave technically count as a cave update? <laughs> I, I do, <laughs> I do wonder. I do wonder. Um, I'm oh, gonna man. so mad. <laughs> I'm gonna say though that as far as the spawn chunks goes, our official vote is probably going with the isologer. Is that fair to say, Joel? Would you say you were? Yeah, it it does depend on more information, but I'm very heavily leaning on the isologer. It uh, it, it would it would be with the kind of thing where like more information is going to be needed yeah. and if if the more information that comes during minecraft live is mountain biome related and either reinforces the isologer or uh says oh wait a minute maybe we don't need the isologer maybe the glow squid would give us more variety like i think that's one thing that they might end up if if the biome update that's coming is the mountains and that's the first thing that's coming then people may want to go glow squid because it'll diversify the update. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah, it yeah, might yeah. spread the love around rather than focusing it all in one area. I don't know. But yes, I saw for me so far. <laughs> Dilkin7 has just pointed out it would be a cave update that actively ex stopped people from exploring the caves. <laughs> it's kind of just <laughs> the same way as like the Phantom, a new mob, but it's everyone's worst nightmare. I, I like that. <laughs> that's that's pretty funny. All right, folks, uh, we are going to leave it here now that we have settled on our contender for this year's mob vote. Use your vote wisely, uh, but I think it should be an interesting time regardless, and we will see you on October 3rd for Minecraft Live Restreamed once again at twitch.tv slash pixarefs, my Twitch channel, so that we can see everything that's going on. The spawn chunks will be there. Hopefully, you guys will be too. But that's it for this episode of the podcast. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud as ever to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community, where pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat, gets us closer to our next goal of having a monthly Minecraft audio hangout, which is just like this, but privately in our Discord with our patrons chatting about what we've been doing in Minecraft. We're currently at 210 patrons, which I think is another increase from last week. Special thanks go out to our content engineers, Cameron Sigelski, Dilken7, Greena Kanuk, JD Williamson, and Yitz for your support in this episode. And I also want to thank everybody who's been listening to the show live in Discord. If you want to be one of those people, once again, that's patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram, but personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast. Just tell a person about The Spawn Chunks and where they can go to listen to it. That includes iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, if you're curious. You can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com and also leave us a review or a rating on the Apple Podcast app. That is the best way for strangers looking for Minecraft podcasts to find the show. The RSS feed is linked on thespawnchunks.com, and the Patreon-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page where you can listen to the render distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixorifs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixorifs, where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the Minecraft Survival Guide, and then Piglins yeet me into the void in my Skyblock series. I also <laughs> stream three days a week on Twitch, doing behind-the-scenes work for the Survival Guide series, mostly mining for ancient debris these days, and I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick search on YouTube. Aside from that, I'm at Pixorifs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? 
everything I'm doing online is at joelduggan.com. That includes my illustration and design portfolio, links to other podcasts like the Citadel Cafe, where I talk with my friends like Megan and Brockett and Lou about all kinds of sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. You can also follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan, where there is absolutely no yeeting involved. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite. Don't forget to vote.